This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 radio. I'm your host, Walter Riggerbon, as with usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm uh, a little bit, unfortunately, disappointed. Um, they're getting. Uh, they're still coming home from the bars in Edmonton. I'm sure. <laughs> Certainly, Edmonton fans are happy this morning. Oiler fans. I'd also make a bold uh, prediction. Maybe the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound fans might be happy this morning as well. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, last night's events. I don't. Uh, I think Connor McDavid's uh, body language had. Uh, I may be misinterpreting, but a lot of other commentators saw it the way, the same way. I don't think he was. In spite of his uh, protestations to the contrary, I doubt very much he was happy to be uh, be the number one pick going to Edmonton. So uh, certainly the people in the Sioux might be happy. They've got to go head to toe-to-toe with the Erie Otters in the, in the next round of the playoffs, and maybe that might throw Connor McDavid off his game. But he, uh, Connor McDavid certainly handled it with professionalism, and uh, he's, uh, he may be playing in the Junior A leagues right now, but he's certainly, uh, he's certainly a pro in terms of handling himself. So uh, I'm sure he'll be, uh, he'll be fine in the next playoff series. Of all the teams, the Edmonton Oilers, who now have four picks, first picks in the last six years. Well, four picks. First picks in the last six years. You want to name abs- them? You, you want to abs- throw some names out there, Naz? Well, we don't have to throw them out there. Uh, yeah, everybody knows everybody who they are. Everybody knows who they are. But it, it's incredible. Four first picks. That's uh, they're they're bung, bumbling idiots there with with Low and uh, McTavish, and they seem to to come up with these first picks all the time. Well, so they, I guess they do roll the dice, and they play Vegas very well. <laughs> Oh, I was, I was, uh, I discovered uh, uh, social media and Twitter a little while ago, so I've been tweeting up a storm lately and uh, watching the tweets last night. And uh, uh, certainly, if you want to check out my tweets, uh, it's at uh, Walter Rigamont, Naz, and Wally Show. Um, point I made last night is uh, I, I'm, I, I'm of the belief that before the draft next year, I, I mean, I appreciate the fact that the, the rules are rules and it's, it's subject to chance, and everybody had the same chance. That's fine. But uh, it seemed to me inherently, it seems to me inherently wrong that a team can draft the first number one pick four years out of six years and, in, in essence, be rewarded for their incompetence just because they're lucky. Um, I, I think you're going to see next year, uh, the Ed, what I'm going to call now, uh, announce it, and I announced it on Twitter last night, the Edmonton rule, 
which is don't be surprised if the NHL imposes a rule that you can't have the number one overall pick more than once every three or five years or whatever time period they want to come up with. And uh, and I, 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 I can foresee that. I mean, it's just... You know, enough of this luck of the draw. I mean, Connor McDavid made the point last night that uh, that Edmonton's an unbelievable organization. Yeah, right, they're, they're, they're unbelievable, un- uh, right. unbelievably incompetent may, and unbelievably they may, they may be uh, the lucky. One, they may be the one team that's worse than the least when it comes to their management structure. Yeah, Not I mean, saying a lot, okay? Yeah, but they've got an opportunity now. Uh, they've got some incredibly valuable young assets um, I'm not convinced that they have the management expertise to turn those young assets into uh, into a contender, um, and certainly ownership there. Uh, Daryl Katz um, perhaps should take a long look at whether he's got the right people in place to uh, take Edmonton to the next level, because you certainly have the future of the game. You've got Connor McDavid, and and I, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not convinced. I, I appreciate the fact that. Uh, that Bettman and Daly and the NHL execs, uh, obviously, they're they're pros, they're professionals. They're not going to uh, be, uh, you know, happy is not the wrong word. But I, I, let's just put it this way. I would have thought that the uh, – I would think that the head honchos at the NHL, uh, if they were completely honest, would have, uh, would have liked to have seen Connor McDavid in some major, major – Market Canadian, uh, American. I don't think makes a difference, but a major market, uh, perhaps on the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, you know, I Toronto, uh, Boston, uh, something Carolina, something different than than Edmonton. I like to throw something out. Now that McDavid is with Edmonton, Edmonton's going to be looking for a coach. A lot of coaches, even though it's Edmonton, will go there because of Connor McDavid. They have a building block, a big oh, building I, I, block. I, I don't th- and. You know, these guys, there's like there's going to be about six or seven coaches looking for jobs. And Edmonton's probably the best fit for a coach to be successful soon. Anyways, we, uh, we, uh, we're going to carry on this conversation later in the show, and we are going to take your calls. Uh, but we're going to break now. But we just want to announce before we go to break, we have uh, somebody very, very important that's going to be on our show right after the break. And we're really thrilled to be talking to the president of the Blue Jays, in my opinion, the number one sports executive without question in the Toronto area in the last 40 years, uh, certainly one of the classiest men I've ever seen on the sporting scene in the Toronto area. Uh, it's his last year with the Blue Jays. It's Paul Beeston. He's an incredible gentleman, and uh, we'll be going to break, and we're absolutely thrilled to be back with, uh, with Paul Beeston. Join us shortly. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number just for cell phones, pound 3636. However, some listeners thought I was saying pound 3636. To be clear, our new number for cell phones is pound 3636, not pound 3636. However you like it, call Pizzaville at pound 3636. Wait. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Nazamali Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Next uh, next on the show, a gentleman that certainly needs no introduction. And if I had to read out his resume on the show, we wouldn't have much time to talk about anything else. But I'll simply introduce him as Paul Beeston, Blue Jays president and uh, certainly a legend in the sporting scene in the, in, the, in the Toronto area. Paul, we're absolutely thrilled to death to have you with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. It's certainly our pleasure, Paul. Uh, like I said, uh, certainly in a, a resume that uh, would take me uh, take me way too long, but I do want our listeners to know uh, a certain amount of your accomplishments, which are numerous. Uh, member of the Order of Canada, Blue Jay level of excellent, le- excellence, president of uh, Major League Baseball for a while, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, the absolutely first employee ever of the Toronto Blue Jays. Amazing what you could achieve with a good solid C average, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and also, and also a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants. <laughs> Anyways, uh, congrats—I uh, won't congratulate you, no. but thanks for coming on the show, nice uh, Paul. Uh, the Blue Jays—we're uh, into the season now, and we certainly—we uh, know it's—it's uh, it's been reported, and uh, we believe you've confirmed that it's your last season as the as the Blue Jay president. But tell us your impressions so far of the first 12, 12 games. 
Well, I think, you know, coming out of spring training, uh, you know, we were all a little bit um, uh, apprehensive is not the right word, uh, excitedly reserved, I think is a better way of putting it. Uh, We thought that um, we had the right mixture of the the veterans with uh, with some youth that really surprised us in spring training. Um, And I think with that, you're going to probably have some surprises. Uh, We've got uh, six players that um, are rookies. um, And, um, you know, at the same point in time, we have some very good, solid players. And you know who they are. Are whether it's the pitching staff with Dickie and Burley, or whether we go to Eddie and um, and Jose and Jose and and Donaldson. I mean, all of those guys coming together. Um, it seemed to us that we had a, had a mixture that looked like it was going to be some fun. And um, I think that's the way that it is. I mean, you know, we've lost a couple of games. You know, you hate to lose. You just hate to lose them. They were yours to take. There was the one Yankee Stadium. Then there was one on Friday night. But on the other hand, you know, it's a 162-game uh, schedule. So uh, we'll win games probably that we that we shouldn't. Uh, but you know, we will fight. And I think it's going to. I think it's going to be a very, very exciting and fun year. And we're in the entertainment business. Paul, uh, it's Naz here. How are you doing this morning? Naz, I'm well. That's good. Uh, I want to go back to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and before that, you, the, Carling O'Keefe and Labatt's were uh, bidding on the Blue Jays. Uh, if I'm, if I, well, you're going co- way back now. I'm going way back. Well, Paul, I go back that, that far too. So, <laughs> Paul, Paul, this is Zoomer Radio, my friend. <laughs> That's right. And how close was Carling getting to getting the team? Before the well, I mean, that's a very good question. I clearly was not involved in it at that point in time. I was an accountant at um, at uh, Coopers and Librand, which has now morphed into Price Waterhouse and Coopers. Uh, but um, I think it was a good competition. But Don McDougall was setting it up for Labatt. Uh, and uh, it was Don's idea that uh, if they could get a baseball team, it would be good for the marketing division of, uh, of Labatt Breweries of Canada. Uh, and uh, he and Herb Solway and their cadre of, um, of uh, associates uh, really, really worked uh, all of the owners, worked the uh, commissioner of uh, baseball at the time, which was Bowie Kuhn, and the, and the league presidents, which were Chubb Feeney and, and, um, and Lee McPhail. Um, and I think that the same thing could be said for Carling O'Keefe. And it was um, the, the beer wars, uh, much like there's um, um, uh, the beer wars of today and uh, and and other and, and other competitions between corporate entities and 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 I would say that you have to give the credit to Don. Um, Don really really um, built relationships, um, was relentless in going after this team, uh, and um, and at the very end of the time was granted a was granted the the franchise. Uh, but you will recall there was a couple of blips there. They were supposed to get San Francisco. Yeah, Toronto. Uh, San Francisco yeah. was going to move to Toronto. Uh, and that was in 76 and was going to play in Toronto in 76. Uh, but subsequent to that, they lost that. Uh, I think he took uh, probably a day or two off and then, you know, kind of re-energized himself and went right back at it. And when uh, they granted a franchise to uh, to Seattle, because Seattle, uh, this is more than you really need to know, but moved to, uh, to, to, to Milwaukee, uh, the American League was sued by the city of Seattle because they had constructed the stadium. And uh, so they had to put a team there, and they needed one more team, and that was us. At the same time, the National League uh, was looking for a uh, was looking to expand. Uh, they were going to go into uh, Washington, and they thought, okay, the next best place is Toronto. So it was the two leagues, and so from losing San Francisco, uh, he kind of had uh, suitors after him, or the city had suitors after it. 
um, and it was a question of who was going to get a Carling O'Keefe or um, or or um, or Labatt. But Labatt came together with the CIBC uh, and Howard Webster, who at the time owned the Globe and the Lord Simcoe, and I think might have even owned Holt Rentford at the time at that particular time, uh, but was a major industrialist, and um, they put together quite a package. Paul, I got to ask you. I, correct me if I'm wrong on some of these. Uh... Uh, some of these facts, but you came out of Welland, Ontario, you went to the University of Western, and you graduated as an accountant, and you became the first Blue Jay employee. When you actually applied, uh, how did that come about? How did you become the first Blue Jay employee? <laughs> it's a funny story. It's actually a funny story. I never really applied. The aforementioned Don McDougall that I was talking about, the brother team here, I lived beside a friend of mine named Dr. Peter Fowler. Uh, and we would be up at uh, the Fowler's house because they had the pool. Uh, and he lived right next door to him. At that time, there was a group of us, four or five of us, I will say, that went down over to Detroit four or five times a year to watch the watch the Tigers. Uh, we'd go from London, Ontario to Detroit. And I always liked baseball. I always followed baseball. When they were going to bring San Francisco to Toronto, they were going to bring the entire San Francisco baseball operations with it. What they wanted to do, though, was to put together kind of a local or a Canadian uh, front office. And uh, Ed Bradley was going to do all the marketing. In fact, may well have become the president. They were looking for an accountant. Well, Don knew that I loved baseball. Um, Don knew that um, you know that uh, if I ever had the opportunity, I would get into it. And he asked me whether I'd be interested in moving from London, Ontario to Toronto. Well, it didn't take me long to say yes. I'll tell you that much. So so it was a was a matter it was a matter of, um, of of saying yes as opposed to actually applying for the job which uh, you know I get so many resumes right now uh, and um, quite frankly you know you'd like to hire them all because you know most of them when you get them in here and talk to them are terrific terrific people um, but it's, there's very few opportunities so I consider myself fortunate uh, that you know I was able to get something without actually even applying for it. Paul, uh, you li- uh, remind our listeners are listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on AM seven forty of course. If you don't recognize the voice, almost everybody does. It's the unmistakable voice of Paul Beeston, Blue Jays president. Paul, uh, and I ask you, uh, you I, I, I presume that when you were first hired, you were hired as an accountant. Yeah, it was. That's exact. That's exactly. you were hired. You were hired as an accountant. When did you, in fact, uh, when did you morph from being the Blue Jays accountant into a baseball man? Well, I'll tell you what happened was um, back then we were very, very small. Um, you know, there was only, I think, 28 uh, that ran the club in the front office, and, and, and that included the ticketing and, 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 and marketing and, and everything back in 1977. Um, and being, a, being um, uh, the accountant, and, you know, we weren't into computers at the point in time. Everything was, was kind of ledgers. Um, everything came across my desk. Um, you know, whether it was the receipts that were coming in or alternatively the expenses that were going out. So I saw all of the expenses. I saw the signing bonus. I saw what the contracts were. I saw what, you know, we had our minor league teams with a, what we call a player development contract, a PDC was everything. So, you know, I was getting kind of familiar with, uh, with the acronyms, but more important than that, I think really what I was getting familiar with was how the way the business was done. And, uh, Pat, uh, Gillick and myself developed a terrific relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, so he would always talking or come into my office or I go into his office we would talk we would watch the games together our families became close and what happened after that was that you know Pat would take me on a few of his um, on a few of his um, uh, negotiating um, trips well from there it just kind of went to the point where I went with all of them but with him you know when we got to the big contracts and you know it was Pat's decision it was Pat's you know where the direction as to where we were going to go and it was kind of my mouth that delivered the message. Paul, um, the Argos are a big thing around this station because there's still a lot of Argo fans out there. What are the chances of the Argos moving into BMO Field for next year? 
Well, I don't know what it is for next year. I mean, you are really out of my realm at that point of time as to what David Brilly is doing with the team, if he is selling it, if they are moving there. Uh, we have a uh, lease that goes through the 2017 with them. Uh, we're working with the University of Guelph right now for grass. The negative of grass. Um, for the Argos is that once the grass goes in, we can't move the stands. So when the stands go, go in, that uh, does not become a football field. Um, I felt it was very important. I believe Rogers felt it was very important. I think everybody did. That. When we did our last lease, we gave them six years and basically said, look, at, we would like to put grass in here. We can't as long as it is a football stadium to a multi-purpose. So therefore, what we need to do is give you advance warning as to, as to, um, as to uh, another place for you to play. That was really given 10 years ago. But was formally given after 2017 that we were that we were going to move, and I would love to see it in there because I am a, a CFL fan. I believe in it. I believe in the product, and I believe that you know we uh, it does a lot to bring the and keep the country together, particularly around around the playoff times. I mean, it's one of those things where you know you can just tell from the television ratings, you can tell from your own level of interest, you can tell from the newspapers. You know, it just it just it just um, it just picks up. So I think it's very important that it has a place, and it would be ideal at BMO Field. It, you know, that's very selfish from our point of view and for me to say it they could say you know I've got a purpose to say that fact of the matter is that it would be a, it's, a, it's an ideal stadium it's outdoors and you know there is that part of the elements that is pretty good um, you know when you get into football in, in, in November um, and so to me if they could ever get down there it, w- it would be terrific will it happen in 2016 I don't know will it happen in 2017 I don't know uh, but in 2018 uh, we fully intend to have a grass here we're talking to Paul Beeston. Paul, uh, not only are you the Blue Jays president, you're probably, uh, you've always come across as the number one Blue Jays fan. And I'm sure you'll always be uh, uh, the number one Blue Jays fan, even after uh, you're no longer the president. And I know one thing that's really, really dear to your heart. And uh, Commissioner of Baseball was in town this, re- this week, Rob Manfred. And uh, any discussions about bringing the All-Star game back to Toronto? Oh yeah, feel free to say. It. But I, I've, I've had discussions with him before, but formally put in a formally put in a letter, gave him a letter uh, requesting it, um, asking him uh, what um, what the procedures are from here, um, how it is going to be awarded, uh, what is the next possible date that we could get it. Uh, we would love to have the All Star Game here. Uh, it's it's in some respects it's our turn. Uh, we headed ninety one. We're you know thirty years uh, will be two thousand and twenty one. Uh, but there's been a couple other teams that you know feel the same thing. The Dodgers haven't had. Since 1982, uh, you know, and there's interest there. There's a couple, of, a couple other teams, but uh, I think that it's fair to say that we are in the queue. Um, that we uh, have been recognized uh, as a team that can put on an all-star game uh, very, very well. And more importantly than that, you know, that we have a city that will welcome it, um, embrace it, and um, and make it successful. The one here in 91 was about as good as, as the all-star games get it. As the city has developed, and, you know, we have the great hotels downtown, we have the good waterfront, we have the stadium, and we have a roof. You know, so if the weather's raining, you know, we're going to play the game anyway. Paul, MLSE is looking for a president. Would you have any interest since this is your last year with oh, the Blue Jays? No, 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 no. <laughs> Stay away from no. Hey, I'm 70 years old. Uh, you're 70 no, going it's, on it's, 35. It's, it's fun. I've been blessed. I mean, it's all been very, very good. No, 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 no. <laughs> last time I looked, I had a full-time job here. and said, We haven't been in the playoffs since 1993. That is time-consuming, and that, and that is fun. But, no, the answer is no. I follow it because, you know, I like basketball, I like hockey, and, you know, I've become quite a soccer fan, too, so I watch what they're doing. And it's very interesting. But, you know, we got to get them winning. we got to get winning. The city will feel great, and it'll be good for everybody. Uh, I have a question about John Gibbons. Uh, 
Kevin Pillar uh, and him got into an argument last year concerning he was being pitch hit for with Anthony Goes, I believe. And I have to give Gibbons credit for uh, mending the fences and allowing Pilar to come back and play because this kid is unbelievable. What are your what are your thoughts? Well, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, but you know, he has to be dealt with, and it was dealt with firmly. It was dealt with effectively. And it was dealt with uh, immediately at the time, and, um, and and Kevin unfortunately found himself back in Buffalo quicker than he thought he was going to be there. Um, having said that, this is not the first time that there's ever been a battle between a player and a play- and a manager whether his guy's being pinch hit. I can tell you right now, <laughs> get the great George Bell telling about Bobby Maddock pinch hitting for him in the first inning. Yeah. He never got in a bat. They switched pitchers because it was injury. He just he was platooning at the time, and you know, and 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 I don't think Bell and George going to talk to him for 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 years, uh, but you know. You get over that, and you see it wasn't for punishment. I mean, yeah. there was a reason for it. You might not agree with the reason, but in Gibby's mind, he wanted he wanted the different matchup. And so going for the different matchup, you know, it meant that Kevin Pilar was going to be Ben shipped for it. But you know what? It's all part of the process. And Kevin Pilar can have a great um, major league career, and he may look back at that and say, you know what? That was one of the turning points. I think that is one of the turning points. That's why I brought it up. I think yep. it is. He's quite the player. Uh, speaking of Paul Beeson, Paul, I hope you can bear with us for just a couple of more minutes. We don't want to keep you too much longer, but a couple of a couple of more things I do want to ask you. Uh, we've been we've been talking about it recently, and uh, the, Commissioner Manfred seems to have softened his stance somewhat. But uh, you've been around baseball for a long, long time. Uh, is uh, is Pete Rose going to be in the Hall of Fame shortly? Wow, that's a really good one. I really don't know. I mean, I think when Rob got in there, I mean, everyone's looking and saying there's a change from Bud, and therefore we got Rob, and therefore there is a chance. Those that are pro Pete Rose, those that are anti Pete Rose, I guess we'll make sure that, you know, they get their voice heard too. I really wouldn't even speculate on that one. I think it's unfair. I wouldn't want to put pressure on him. Uh, I don't think anyone disputes the fact that Pete Rose was one of the greatest ball players of all time, and from the point of view of his records and from what he did for the game, uh, he had his Hall of Fame credentials. I mean, I don't think any would dispute that. The point of the matter is that there was an issue, and um, you know he signed off on it, um, and now wants to get and wants to change that. And Rob is going to be after the one that decides that, and I, we're not going to speculate as to what's in Rob's mind and head at the present time. Paul Beeston, one last question. Uh, this is your last year as as uh, president of the Blue Jays, and uh, with your energy, uh, I'm sure we haven't heard the last of Paul Beeston. I'm sure you're going to be around, and I'm sure my guess is that there's a book. Uh, in your in your future, uh, probably sooner rather than later, and uh, and uh, I just want to go down that road. When we see the Paul Beeston book, what chapters can we expect? Well, I, I'm going to tell you something right now. There is a book. There's not even a question. It will be read by one person, and that is me. I might, I will probably let my wife read it. Okay, this book. I mean, you can't do the right book. I have been so fortunate to be witness to so many different things, but it is not something that you know you that that I can write. I mean, uh, and and you, if you tell the truth, there's always somebody that gets hurt. And so, you know, you don't want to kind of massage it. So, you know, the best part, but it would be fun to write back in recollections of what and whom I've met and what happened when. And, you know, it could be, it could be a gas and a half, but you know what? It's not going to happen. It will be, it'll be an issue of one long hand in bad writing. Well, certainly, uh, I, I, I question that, Paul. I think it would be a fascinating book, and I think everybody would want to read it. A bestseller, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it happening. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Paul, uh, I, I, we can't thank you enough. Uh, Paul, I'm thank you very much. And I'm sorry about last week because I know I did tell you that I'd be on there, but I did have an issue that I had to do. So 
Um, it was today, and it was fun. It was it was a pleasure and a privilege for us. Thank you so much Anytime for joining us. Anytime I can do it, please give me a call. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Paul. Thanks. Ciao. Thank you. Ciao. We've been talking, of course, to Paul Beeston, Blue Jays president and um, first employee of the Blue Jays. And if you associate a baseball with anybody in the city of Toronto, Paul Beeston's number one executive ever in Toronto. For Absolutely. Sure. For sure. No question. For sure. And certainly uh, a class guy, passionate, energetic, uh, and certainly uh, so much fun to talk to. And uh, we, we wish him all the best. I have a smile on my face with how he answered the MLSE <laughs> question. That was pretty funny. Anyways, we had, a, we had a blast talking to uh, Paul Beeston. And uh, it's time for our break, and we'll be right back after the break. Thank you. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636 and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. 
Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're live this Sunday morning from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 radio. And certainly a uh, um, great interview with Paul Beeston. Uh, going back to hockey, Naz, uh, the uh, NHL draft again last night, I guess the people in Buffalo. We didn't talk about that uh, too much, and I know we do have listeners in Buffalo, and uh, we will be taking your calls. So, Kevin from Buffalo, if you're out there, give us a call. We'd certainly like to hear your thoughts on on uh, on last night's events from a Buffalo perspective. Our call-in number is one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. Once again, one eight six six. Seven four zero four seven four zero or locally four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. Certainly in Buffalo, they weren't too thrilled. Uh, about oh, Buffalo should be happy with what they ha- they have. Well, they, uh, well, they have uh, Tim, Tim Murray I mean. couldn't conceal. Uh, I, I know that they're happy Give me a with. Break. Uh, oh, you got some strong opinions oh, on this one, Naz. Come on, let's hear it. He's got, let, he's got it. a number one pick any other year other than this year in Jack Eichel. So why are you complaining? You threw the season. You sent guys down to the minors, all picking up guys from the minors all year long, trading all your players, and then you're pissed because you didn't get uh, McDavid. Didn't get Give McDavid. me a break. Well, I Give guess he, he didn't realize that one in five odds aren't that great. Well, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess he needs to go to the Edmonton School of Luck. I guess. <laughs> well, he's got he's got to take some courses and not a gamble. I don't know, but uh, uh, he certainly he was he was severely disappointed last. Be night. happy, Tim. It. Be happy. He's got, he's got Jack Eichel. Well, Jack Eichel is going to be a great player, player, too. Yeah. There's, no, there's no question he's a franchise player. Interesting angle on this whole, uh, interesting angle on this whole um, draft lottery last night. Uh, uh, in a, some, astute, uh, some astute observer noticed that, uh, I don't know if, if you watched it, Naz, but they had this whole thing about throwing four balls into a tumbler, and every ball had a number on it, and each team was pre-assigned a four-number combination. So they after they pulled out the first three balls that as as you pulled out each ball the odds changed, and I, I just found this fascinating when 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 I read about it somebody tweeted it last night, uh, as each ball was was uh, was uh, pulled out the odds changed so the Leafs went in as what nine and a half percent they went in nine and a half and Buffalo went in as twenty percent, and they were picking four balls. After the third ball, there was one ball left to go, and there was only a certain sequence of numbers, I guess, at that point. When the fourth ball was about to be, uh, to be pulled out of that machine or whatever, whatever it was, the Leafs were actually the favorites at that point. The odds were then stacked in their favor. They had a 40% chance of picking McDavid. Their odds increased from 9.5% to 40%. Just before that last ball came out, and uh, Edmonton only had a twenty percent chance at that. But we had the Leafs had double the opportunity, double the odds of of Edmonton uh, when that last ball was pulled. And I, you know, I, it makes to me as a Leaf fan, it makes me even a little bit more uh, more upset at, uh, at at what happened. Well, the one thing I don't understand is why they have the lottery. Uh, during playoff time and not do it after the season ends because 
If I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs and I'm fourth, right? I, I, we're going into the lottery. How many teams would trade for that fourth pick? Of all the teams, I'm talking about all 30 teams. Now everybody's played the playoffs. What kind of offers would the Leafs have, the Oilers have? I mean, you're, you're saying at the end of the playoffs, you've got 30 teams in the mix. That's right. And you, and you think somebody, based on that, would trade to grab Buffalo's pick with only a 20% chance of getting. Somebody would factor that in. Yes. Some GM yeah. would factor that in. So let's say in. Edmonton, for instance, right? They want to trade. Well, you know, we've been we've been critical of the uh, of the management acumen of some of the management over in Edmonton. So you know, certainly it makes it they, a they, fair, they're good at rolling the dice. It makes it a fair playing field doing it that way because then you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you have the fourth pick, right? Not the fourth pick, but you're finished fourth from the bottom, and you could get the first pick. Yeah. What is that worth to another team? Let's say the Detroit Red Wings or the Montreal Canadiens. What is it worth? Will they would they give up a Gallagher or a uh, well, Kenyuk? Knowing my my those players would get thrown out for that for a, for a team uh, to get a chance you're, at the draft. You raised some very interesting points, Naz. But if I was a, an NHL GM, knowing how poor I gamble when I when you got to, when I'm at a blackjack table, uh, I don't think I'd be throwing too much away for twenty percent. But, but you know, the other thing is that moves salaries too, right? You can yeah. move salary that way, yeah. so it would really really open things up. I don't understand why they do the lottery. They sh- they should do it. Yes, after the season ends, or give it a waiting period of a week after the season ends, and then let open it up for trades. Because you know what? I think a lot of trades would happen. Anyway, especially- so I know uh, I know uh, our, we've got uh, a very powerful radio signal on the new AM seven forty, and uh, we've got some loyal listeners in the Buffalo area who are not, I presume, not very happy this morning. Uh, with uh, with uh, good reason, I presume, and one of our regular callers from Buffalo, Kevin, um, is joined us again this morning. Is on the line, Kevin. Uh, how's the mood in Buffalo this morning? Uh, you must be thrilled that you're getting Jack Eichel, but uh, you lost the Connor McDavid uh, lottery. How does that feel? Well, good morning, gentlemen. Good and morning. First, what a wonderful show to hear Mr. Bastine and speak on the Blue Jays and. Just a a class man, and here here in Buffalo, the Bisons are the Blue Jays farm team, and I know it's only been one week, but the Bisons are off to a great start. And uh, just briefly, you, you you don't find men like Mr. Bastine in sports uh, nowadays, and it was a great interview. And if if you could down the road just my regards to him and all he's done with the Blue Jays. We certainly will, Kevin. And and on the NHL draft last evening, here in Buffalo, as you know, and I won't hold back other listeners, but how Mr. Murray and how he went about the season and a great NHL coach, Mr. Nolan, let go, and... Jack Eichel will be a fine hockey player, and he'll be he'll be a great fit for the Sabers. But I feel Mr. Murray, as an NHL executive, I've always thought I'm going to be 50 years old. That you play to win games, and the part that just infuriates me is the Sabers have great tradition, as you know. And he was just gunning for McDavid. And here in Buffalo, 
last evening they they there's a restaurant seven one six. They sold out. You could not get in to watch this draft. Wow. And and good good for business and yeah. so so forth. But I just feel and I'll close on this note, I don't want to hold other callers that he went about it wrong and and he was just gunning for McDavid, which I understand you have to win, but he Nolan he had the locker room well. He, he he had the respect for the team, and I'm just sorry. I just didn't agree with how he went about. And I, I wish the Maple Leafs well with their four, number four pick. And in closing, you gentlemen make a great point on this whole system with the lottery. I agree with you gentlemen. It should be done at the end of the year, and then you'd build more trades and so forth. So. I'll close. Thank you for Kevin, your time. Kevin, I, have I, I, a good week. Kevin, I don't want to let you go. Are you still with us? Oh, yes, sir. I, yes. I want to ask you something. You raised the point that you're critical of how Tim Murray handled uh, handled the last couple of seasons. And I agree with you on the point with Owen Nolan. Uh, Owen Nolan. Ted, Ted Nolan. Nolan. Uh, I agree with you on the point. He handled, I mean, Mr. Nolan handled himself with an incredible amount of class given what he was given the last two, three months of the season. Um, he was, was not given the tools to do his job. In fact, he was undermined to do his job. But I want to raise another issue with you, Kevin, because you're a Buffalo Sabres fan. And, and, and this whole thing about tanking to get 20% odds, there were points, and this happened in Toronto as well, there were points at the end of the season where the fans at the, uh, I don't even know what it's called now. Is it the First Niagara Center now? First yes, Niagara, It used yeah. to be the HSBC or whatever. It's First Niagara Center now. There were points at the end of that season when Buffalo was losing games or the other, the other team was scoring that the fans were cheering against their own team. And that was happening in Toronto as well. How do you feel about that? Well, you bring up a great point, and that is what I've been underlining and emphasizing Mr. Murray is the executive of the team. He has players who you, you have made, they, they, were, they were put together to fail to lose. But these players are going out, they are on your roster, and they are trying to do the best they can. Ted Nolan, here in Buffalo, and I follow gentlemen. I read the sports daily on the computer. They they respected their coach. They thought he they they for what the talent they had, he was doing a great job. And imagine if you're an NHL player and you know that you will be in Rochester and on another team next season, and those last few games in your home building where you're supposed to cheer the team, they were, they were booing the Sabres to get McDavid. And I just, I just thought that, Murray, I mean, here you're in, in your home auditorium, and they were cheering for you to lose. And I'm sorry, I just always feel that you, you are in a uniform and you play to win and do the best you can. And, and that's my only on Mr. Murray. 
and, and, Kevin, and right, Kevin, they, they Kevin. Say, they I'm, I'm, here in Buffalo, well, Mr. Nolan has a three-year contract yeah. in this. They were trying to, like, fudge it on that way. But I just feel, gentlemen, it was done wrong. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, appreciate your comments. Anyways, just going back to Tim Murray. I mean, I, I do respect Tim Murray as a general manager. And, and, and when they use this thing about we say that he was tanking, um, I don't think he, you know, the concept, I, I don't think a professional deliberately sets out to lose. And that's not what I'm suggesting with Tim Murray at all. Uh, I, I think he's trying to put the – and you can say the same thing about Shanahan with some of the deals. They're trying to put the pieces in place to uh, – and he did a great deal. As far as I was concerned, I think Buffalo was the winner ultimately in that deal with Winnipeg. So, you know, I'll give Tim Murray credit. Um, and, you know, tanking, does he did, – did Tim Murray deliberately set out to lose? No, I don't believe that. And I think they're not deliberately trying to lose hockey games. I think they're trying to rebuild a team. And by doing so, you have sometimes the, the result of your moves. Wally, you know what? There is a problem, and you see it on the sports cast. When Buffalo, uh, cl- they say, on the ticker it says, Sabres clinch 30th spot. What is that clinch 30th spot? Yeah, but that's the media saying that. That's, you know, that's the media yeah. saying that. I, I, you know, I believe, I believe, you know, the Shanahan, people like Shanahan and Tim Murray and all the other, these guys are professionals, okay? They're winners. They don't get to those positions by being losers. They're winners. They have a tremendous amount of pride. And uh, they want to win. Don't kid yourself. Now, I, I think Tim Murray's smart enough to know that uh, he only had a he only had a twenty percent chance of winning the Connor McDavid Derby. So the moves that he was making during the year were were for the future benefit of the Sabers. The Evander Kane deal, that Evander Kane deal is not to not to get Connor McDavid. It's to get Evander Kane for next year, for next year, and yeah. for the future. And if Connor McDavid falls into the Sabers, then that's great, right? Um, so. You know, we, we can say that GMs deliberately go out to lose games. They don't go deliberately yeah, out but to Ted lose Nolan games. Come getting, on. Ted Nolan getting fired. Obviously, Tim Murray, Ted Nolan is not Tim Murray's guy. And that's, I can understand him letting him go based on that, right? But, uh, you know, Ted Nolan did a pretty good job for yeah, what he it has. Just, it's just it's unfortunate the way things transpired in in um, Buffalo, left a lot of left a lot of a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouths. And uh, are the fans ultimately responsible for some of this by by cheering when their team? Well, you know what, like you know, if you don't like what's going on, don't cheer against your own team. Just keep quiet. You know, like to boo your own team. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess I've done it a few times too. Well, sure, we always <laughs> boo our teams. Right? Anyways, we want to go to the next call. We'll we'll, we'll continue that one in a bit. Uh, well, let me rethink that one. We've got D General that wants to talk about the draft. D General, good morning, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. How are you? Good interview this morning with Mister uh, Beeston. There, uh, it's all about the Blue Jays and the Raptors now, uh, and it could be all about the Leafs if they do one thing. They get on the phone right now and they cut uh, they cut a deal between them and Edmonton. That poor kid is going to get exiled out there in the middle of the Arctic. There's nothing for that kid to do or or to shine in Edmonton. And and uh, and I agree with you, uh, Naz. We said earlier in the show. Uh, about this pool, I mean, it's become uh, ridiculous. They they should allow teams to at least uh, go back and forth and maybe deal before the the, the balls uh, drop uh, in this in this thing. But uh, maybe it's time for uh, Mister uh, Mister McDavid to give uh, Eric Lindros a call <laughs> and tell him that he's not reporting to Edmonton. If yeah. that's the case, to make a deal and uh, 
and let's start this thing back the way it was there. Let's let's go but uh, once over again that uh, that happened with uh, with Colorado and, uh, and and Quebec at that particular time. So uh, I think it would be an interesting uh, little piece of uh, of uh, drama. But uh, it would have been it would have been unbelievable if if this kid could have come to Toronto because you really got to agree with you guys. You got to put him in uh, in the spotlight. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you know, you know he's going to report. He's that type of kid, so that's no, not of gonna, course he's, he's, not he's, he's all professional. I mean, he handled it re- very, very well. But uh, going back to one of your last point about you know tanking and stuff, you know, it's, listen, they, they worked hard to finish to finish last to be first. You know, to get that first pick is is huge. The, the general manager should have been disappointed. I would have been disappointed too. Eichel's going to be a great player. The draft is deep. But uh, the NHL's got to re- revisit this uh, this whole plan that they have and, and go back to the old uh, system. If a team wants to tank, I would think it's as difficult to finish last as it is to win the Stanley Cup. Okay, the D. General, thanks so much. We've got to go to our next call. Mike from Hamilton. Mike, uh, you want to talk some baseball? Uh, we've got a few minutes. Uh, give us your point real quick. Yeah, hi, good morning, General. Good morning. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I was um, Mr. Beeston. What a, what a fountain of walking like a fountain of information he is a walking encyclopedia he um he, he for for him to come up with the things he comes up with it it, it takes no time like he just uh he was talking about the jays or about the uh the 1976 um moving the san francisco giants to toronto and it was i think george Moscone, the mayor of san francisco at the time yeah that's correct uh, it was george Moscone. yeah he he was um front row center in, in veto, helping to veto that move. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. I just wanted to say that the uh, I stand corrected last week when I called. Like I mentioned that the um, Yankees had been the, hadn't been in the playoffs between 81 and, 80, and 96, but yeah. between 82 and 94, they, they weren't in the playoffs uh, in the postseason in qualify. In 94, remember the strike, but 95, I, I just say I stand corrected. They were... Uh, they were in the in the postseason with Buck Showalter, who's now okay. still got in Baltimore at, at the helm. Once again, Mike, th- thanks so much for your call. We've got to go to a really, really we're sort of really tight on time now. We really appreciate your call and have a great thanks. day. Thank you. Um, we uh, we were uh, hoping to have a uh, uh, Mike Fuda clip on the show earlier because we wanted to talk about who's going to be the Leaf next GM. And you and Naz and I, you and I talked about that. Um, earlier because that's now the big topic of discussion in Toronto. And Mike Fuda is a, a Toronto boy and player of development, uh, uh, director of player development for the LA Kings and gets a lot of credit for putting two Stanley Cup champions together. And on Bodog, uh, it's a, is Bodog a gambling site? Don't know. I don't know. We don't. Anyways, they've, they've laid odds. They've laid odds on who the next general manager of the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs is going to be. They've got Mike Babcock at 2-1 to one and Mike Fuda. At five to two, second pick to be the Leaf GM, and we interviewed Mike Food on this show twice, last June, right at uh, right after the draft, and back in uh, Naz, you remember this better than I do, and he had some really interesting November comments. November second, yeah, we interviewed. He had some, we interviewed Mike Fuda, who's now one of the favorites to be the Leaf GM, and I know we're really tight for time. We had some technical difficulties. We wanted to have this clip on earlier, but we really do want to have this clip, and and put it on. So if our producer Justin, are we ready? We ready to put that. We want to hear what Mike Fuda has to say about uh, about Toronto. Go ahead. Well, I'll tell you, it was a nice. It's a nice story. Just to, you know, obviously he was a Brampton Battalion for ages, and Stan Butler did a wonderful job with him. And just any time, and it's not beaten to death. I mean, I've heard. I've, I get my jokes. I mean, I'm a Toronto Maple Leaf fan growing up. I grew up in Toronto, 
and obviously, you know, you want to see it hey, I've got my Daryl Sittler, my Palmateer jersey, and my <laughs> my closet at home too. But it's it's it, you know, it, it's it's not an easy thing. It's it's an, it's a tough environment sometimes to succeed in, and it's just it's very nice to see a local guy. It's the same thing with like Stuart Percy, kids that grew up in Toronto. It's the same kind of pressure in our situation. I mean, we're 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 an LA based team that's loaded with Ontario kids, but I mean, there's always there's there's pressures down there as well to. You know, why'd you pass on the California kid? How nice, how nice would it be to have a, how nice would it be to have a Los Angeles-based kid playing at home too? So it's 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 good for them for Carrick to to find. I mean, he's obviously persevered for a lot. He's played the minors. He's paid his dues, and you know, obviously last night to get a to get a crack against the Hawks was good to see. I mean, I was I was holed up in my Carolina Carolina hotel room here. Uh, the guys went over to watch Arizona and uh, Arizona played against. Um, the the Canes last night, and I uh, I stayed at home to get my leaf fixed. Anyways, that was uh, Mike Fuda, who's uh, according to Bodog a five to two uh, odds on. Uh, I wouldn't say odds on favorite, but second favorite to be the next Leafs general manager. Mike Fuda, you, you know what makes him the next general manager? He's a true Leaf. He grew up being a Maple Leaf fan. He follows the Leafs still. He's a whiz a whiz master. In the draft, like he's Tommy, phenomenal. Tommy, he built the Kings. Tell me how he built the Kings, Naz. Let's 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 talk a little. A, let's let's let our uh, listeners know who Mike Fuda is. He drafted Toffoli, uh, Tanner Pearson, all these guys. Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty. He built three quarters of that team is built by Mike Fuda, and what is the main thing the Toronto Maple Leafs are looking at? Somebody who can draft players. This guy can draft players, Brendan Shanahan. He should be your next general manager. You couldn't, uh, you've got my agreement there, Naz. Uh, Mike Fuda, when we talked to him, Mike Fuda uh, developed a team in Los Angeles, which was supposed to be the team that Brian Burke was supposed to develop in Toronto, which was a team with sandpaper, grit. And we asked, uh, we asked Mike Fuda and, uh, yeah, I, I remember asking him, and I made the comment to him. I, you know, I noticed that 14 of his uh, players on the last Stanley Cup team were graduates of the Ontario Hockey League, and that you know that was the point that uh, Don Cherry was making about Mike Fuda. That the LA Kings have a, and I know you hate this word, Naz. They have a culture. certain culture. Okay, I apologize. I know that that irritates you that word, but the LA Kings have a certain culture, and their culture is, and Mike Fuda's culture is, that they like to draft players who can play along the boards. And they can play along the boards, and that's why they have these fantastic uh, possession numbers. Because when an LA King gets the puck, it's difficult to get to get it off of him. Uh, and that's uh, that's the type of hockey that we were supposed to have in Toronto. It didn't come here, uh, but that's the type of hockey that Mike Fuda likes. And he's certainly from a you know I mean we've 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 done the, we've done the stats and the Toronto Maple Leafs drafting record in the last fifteen years is the absolute worst since two thousand and ten. The Toronto Maple Leafs have two hundred and six games played by drafted players. One hundred and fifty six of those are by Morgan Riley. Does that tell you what they've drafted? Yeah, well, uh, Morgan Riley's uh, is the one exception to the rule. That's right. The other two great Leaf draft choices of the last 15 years are Alex Steen and Tuka Rask. And where are they playing? 
Is Not in one. Toronto anymore. Vezina Anyways, we didn't, we didn't get the chance to really talk about the Shanna plan, as they're now calling it. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Shanahan had, some, uh, had uh, some serious business that he took care of last Sunday. And uh, the fallout from that is going to be the topic of discussion in a lot of future Naz and Wally Sports Hour shows. But we have run out of time for this Sunday morning. Uh, we'd like to thank our listeners. We'd like to thank Paul Beeston. Uh, obviously, we'd like to thank our call-ins. Um, uh, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back again next Sunday morning on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I wish all our listeners, on behalf of myself and Naz, a fantastic week. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.